Do you love to talk about rescue dogs almost too much? Us too. This is why I created a space where we can celebrate it. This podcast is for those who are passionate about rescue because dogs, whether they're a foster or a new member of your family, they rescue us right back. Each week, we invite a member of the dog rescue community to talk about their passion for rescue dogs and how their life has never been the same. This is Rescue Dog Love, a rescue community podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is my first rescue, Bust. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rescue Dog Love podcast. It's been a while since I've done a solo episode, and because of my break, I feel committed to giving you guys an update on everything that has been happening. So I thought this episode could be kind of a casual check-in about what's been going on with us, as well as some reflections on the recent foster experience we had with Yara, who is now named Knox. Fostering is a huge journey, as you can tell. It's a frequent thing that I love to talk about on this podcast because it's such an essential part of rescuing but I think every single dog really does bring some new experience and I think Yara was one that really shook our house to the core. I think when I committed to fostering her I was definitely thinking it would be the same as a lot of other dogs we had. It turned out to be very different so so I thought that we could talk about this episode firstly outlining maybe just why this fostering experience was unique to me so Yara is a 10 month old puppy I think now she must be about 11 and she is an alumni from Fetch and Release which as you guys know until pretty recently actually um, I was a core member of a core volunteer and one of the foster managers on the team I have been working with them for two years and actually I am a Uh, unfortunately just about to take a break from them and uh, take a break from rescue in general definitely might do a whole other podcast episode on that no drama actually guys I promise no drama literally just need a break Yara was a dog that I had a lot of knowledge of as a foster manager I mean as you guys are aware the more involved you get in rescues the more you get an overview of all the dogs in our care and it is a wonderful part of being part of it you kind of are connected to so many dogs and Yara was one that we'd been following pretty closely so Yara had an amazing foster family. Maybe as Vini's listening, um, she's amazing. She's one of our honestly top fosters, has done a great job with a lot of our puppies. But with Yara, I think she just was in the wrong environment and we were in a tough situation. What's interesting about rescue is we all try our best to accommodate dogs to the best of our ability. So giving them the best chance to succeed. But sometimes especially this year with the lack of fosters that were volunteering. Just overall, the world being shaken up, a lot of our fosters leaving our organization because they were going back to the office. We were stuck in a bind for a lot of our dogs. Yara was one of them. She's a, at the time, I think she arrived, she was like three, four months. Asvini tried really hard, I think for three months as well to work with her. She loved Asvini, but was not a big fan of her husband. She was also quite nervous in the house. Bit of a struggle for her and for Asvini, obviously. As the foster team, we tried really hard to 
help her mitigate. She knew a lot of training already, but we were trying to support her with more. And I think eventually it really did come to a point where we were like, this is probably environmental and she probably needs to be prioritized for a move, which was hard because we had a lot of other dogs who had priority moves that were quote unquote more urgent as well. Maybe this is something you guys can relate to if you work with other rescues, but definitely this year, I mean, this summer, I think um, in the spring were really tough for a lot of organizations. We had to deal with a lot of situations like this where in an ideal world, we'd have a huge roster of fosters available where we could trial and error different situations to see what was more successful for the dog. And unfortunately, it took a while for us to find one. Thus, I put my hand up and stepped in. I'd been meeting Yara at a lot of the adoption events I was helping set up. She is so sweet. I mean, full on puppy energy was so loving to all the dogs and her size. She is about 25 pounds and at the time she was probably smaller, closer to boss's size. So eventually, you know, I was definitely getting that foster itch even though I had two dogs of my own and probably shouldn't have had the foster itch. But it just felt like, okay, we don't have another situation for her. She seems to really thrive around dogs. Like she's such a different personality at events compared to the stories we heard about her from home. So I put my hand up to have her. I figured she's a puppy. She's adorable. So she's going to get adopted pretty quickly. And then, yeah, that didn't happen as fast as we thought. This is uh, kind of that intro about how we ended up with this crazy little girl. And now we're gonna bring in rescue dog dad, Dan, who (laughs) wants to, I think, have a conversation about it. Hello. Hi, thanks for uh, having me on the pod today. You're welcome to have the privilege to be on my pod. (laughs) We're gonna go through a couple topics together. So firstly, I thought what we could go over is kind of like things that were unique for us with Yara in terms of a fostering experience. Maybe before we do that, Dan, like how would you evaluate like our overall foster journey? What have we learned over time that maybe feels top of mind? Patience is what we've learned over time, I think, is probably the most important ingredient in the recipe for successful fostering. Keeping a good supply of urine cleaning spray on hand. Yeah, always a good idea. Yara was... I don't think Yara was our most difficult foster. I think I think it was actually really nice in this case because I think we palmed off a lot of the fostering duties to Queenie. <laughs> yes, we could definitely talk about that more. I wanted to maybe go through a few categories that lined up of, you know, kind of things that I think are unique about this particular fostering experience that maybe can help others. So I thought we could go there. First one is she, I think was our longest foster in our care. She was with us for three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was by far the longest. uh, By like probably a good month. I think Luna was before that the longest. And that was, I think like maybe eight weeks we had her. So no, she really became part of the household. Definitely. I think, you know, when you sign up to foster, we typically like to share, you know, yeah, like six to seven weeks is kind of like that average. This spring and summer, due to the world changing, everyone experienced much longer stints. I think even still, there's a lot of dogs on the Fetch and Release website that have been in our care several months and like are still looking for homes. And before that, I think it used to be quote unquote like behavioral cases or, you know, dogs that just like needed a little bit more support that would stay up that long. And now it's just 
anyone. Like, yeah. just completely circumstantial. So, of course, it wasn't really something we... I mean, I, when I planted this idea on <laughs> you... Like, two weeks, three weeks, Dan. Like, she's she'll get adopted in, like, two or three weeks. I'm like, all right, Yamini. Like, if you're sure. <laughs> yeah, I think he's learned to never... Uh, <laughs> Try, at least, you know, he can say yes, but he can't, like, take it at a, at a straight upward uh, when he considers the situation. I'm familiar with how you exaggerate numbers, and <laughs> this is just exaggerating in a different direction. I'm not so. good at math, so. <laughs> yeah, so that was definitely something that, you know, I think over time, it does become more of a struggle. I really feel for fosters who've had their dogs for, like, a year or more. We have a few of those at Fetch, and I know a few who've really taken care of their dogs and just aren't really in the space to foster fail and are just waiting so it can definitely be draining when you're waiting and you don't know what's gonna happen next yeah yeah for sure and then the the application comes in and you get your hopes up and then the application doesn't go through and it's like oh and i know for yamini especially like especially as we sort of like we're approaching the three month mark gara had become like very attached to yamini and i think a lot of yamini's thoughts were about like i want her to start building this trust and relationship with her forever person right not with me like, you know, it was really lovely that she was building that bond, but yeah, we, we it wasn't like, it couldn't be a long-term thing for us. So I know that was a big part of Yamini's concerns. Yeah, no, it definitely was. And I think too, you know, we give the rule of threes, the three days of decompression, three weeks, three months, but you typically don't think you're going to reach that three month mark. You think that'll happen in their forever home. So it was something I was conscious of that. Yeah, she was like, this is my home and she was going to experience a move and hopefully it was going to be okay for her. I mean, every time she did move for like a sitter or whatever, it was a bit different when she reintegrated. I was conscious of that. We actually had a holiday coming up just as the application came in. It was definitely something top of mind. And like Dan mentioned, we also had an application that pretty much went all the way through and then didn't pan out at the very last minute. So that was really tough. Yeah, yeah, it seemed really exciting. And we got our hopes dashed a little bit there. Honestly, I think that the outcome and the process was the best thing that she could have had regardless. Even if it took a long time, like, you know, the end result was magnificent. All right, the next thing that I felt was, like, unique for us is that we've typically fostered dogs who are a year and above. I think the only exception is Rosie. Rosie, yeah. She must have been about Yara's age, like 10 months when she arrived, but she, they're night and day personalities. So I probably wouldn't like, I I didn't think that Rosie was like, she was very puppy-like in a lot of ways, but she was very chill. So I feel like with Yara, it was a different experience because she was, I would say more of that typical puppy energy definitely was like a little sponge and was like ripe, you know, learn from, absorb, learn from the dogs, learn from us. So yeah, again, our last experiences, I think were a lot more steady and they already had some like patterns in mind. Honestly, Yara's things changed every day. I felt like she had days where she was had that crazy puppy energy and would run around. She, for a few weeks in our yard, would like just run back and forth. 
we have a tiny yard, by the way, so it was uh, very like funny to watch yeah, her run back and forth. She could cross it in about three seconds and then turn around and come back in the next three seconds and just boom, 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 boom. It's like watching a tennis match. Yeah, she did that for a bit. Definitely was a little intense with the dogs. And honestly, at the first bit, had no interest in us and was only really focused on the dogs. And then eventually, I think that dynamic changed. She was then learning to, you know, bond with Dan and I figure out like engagement so we had to of course work on providing that so that she could learn kind of like the house manners and in general how to thrive in a household immediately it was clearly night and day I knew she was so fearful at her last foster home and as soon as she came into ours it was like okay the fact that there's dogs here who are settled and happy make her feel settled and happy so I knew that was a first check mark for a home she probably needed in the future with a dog to settle in yeah I think training a puppy is something that I actually really admire that a lot of people do. (laughs) I think when we started fostering, we never really wanted puppies. No, no, no. It was never like sort of in our plan. Like there's a lot of hard work involved in bringing a puppy to like the level where they can be socialized, like, you know, ready to go as like an adult dog, I guess. Well, you grew up with puppies. Yeah. Like you had family dogs. We had, yeah, we had a couple of puppies. But I wasn't in charge of the training there. You know, my dad took the lead on that sort of thing. So to have that responsibility, uh, because this is a lot of work. There's a lot of work. And we were very fortunate that, like, our dogs came to us in, like, quite good spots already. Um, Another thing that was maybe difficult because it was our first time doing it is having three dogs to manage while fostering. The last time we fostered was right before we adopted Queenie and we'd taken a bit of a break before that. So typically Boss was the only foster sibling we had to deal with. We were pretty presently surprised with Queenie. How do you think Queenie did as a foster sibling? Oh, she's amazing. Like she really took Yara under her wing, which is hilarious to think about because like Queenie is like, you know, one like, 20% of the size of Yara. She showed Yara the ropes. She played endlessly, even when, you know, and Yara wanted to play a lot, but Queenie was very communicative about like, yeah, this is okay. Yeah, this is not okay. I I don't know that we could have done it without Queenie, honestly, because like Yara bonded really hard with Queenie, like right out the, out the gate. And um, Queenie seemed to be really happy to have Yara around. She definitely played with her a lot more than she plays with Boss. Our dogs don't really play together, so it was interesting to see that dynamic. Boss has had lots of phases as a foster sibling. First had him, I think he was like really forward, really playful. And over time, I think he's gotten a little bit more temperamental in the house, which I think is fine and natural. He was always just like... A big bundle of energy for our fosters. Now he keeps his distance a bit more, which is helpful in one way. But him and Yara's relationship, I would say, solidified in the latter half. Yeah, yeah. It went from being Yara playing a lot with Queenie to Yara playing a lot with Boss, actually. And and Queenie sort of sitting more on the sidelines and watching. I think she needed the break. (laughs) Boss is closer to Yara's size and... They had very similar energy, and I knew that once Boss was, you know, no longer focusing on his territorialness and just, like, not liking Yarna's face and accepting her a bit more, that they would get along well, and they played really well together. Yeah, yeah. It took a little bit to warm up, but when it did, it was, um, yeah, it was really, 
really great. Like they played together super well. Oh, I think he's he's a little bit sad now that she's gone to die. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Dan likes every time a foster leaves. Dan thinks the dogs are sad, and I just have to remind him that they don't care. They live moment to moment. They don't have like longing. Sounds lovely. <laughs> Doesn't it? There's definitely some work on our end as well to balance her play with dogs. She, as a puppy, had a ton of energy. She also just, I think, had never learned how to take cues from dogs. She was very unaware of dog body language and dog signals to stop. Or she chose to ignore them, whichever of the two it was. I think it was more the former. So when she was playing with Queenie or she was playing with Boss, we definitely had to still keep an eye out on them. Queenie especially was very adamant about her boundaries, you know, barren teeth growling and being pretty upfront. And Yara would just ignore. So we had to kind of teach Yara that, that she had to leave the dogs alone when they weren't interested. Um, with Boss, he's very good at setting his own boundaries. So <laughs> I think with him, we could, you know, manage it a bit less. But with Queenie, definitely, Yara did not listen to her most of the time. So we did have to step in when, you know, she was being a bit rough, especially since Queenie's, again, like Dan said, much smaller than her. And just in general, letting Yara know when it was an uff. And by the end, she, no matter how hyper she was or how hyped she was, if you called her off, she always kind of like stopped and came. So that was really good about her. Next, a big issue we were working on was her known issues that we gathered from her last home. And a big one was her issues with men or overall fear of strangers. Definitely something I told Dan right away that we might have to work on. And I don't think that's something we worked on before, did we? No, not really. This was the first dog where I think we were like, she's probably going to be afraid of you. And like I was told like straight up, like, you know, she's probably going to be like really afraid of you, Dan. And I think that was maybe true for maybe the first two days, three days. And then where she would like avoid me, avoid me. And then we started to get like a little balance. She would still be skittish around me, especially if I was moving. Honestly, like if I was up and moving, she wouldn't settle. But if I was settled, she would be super happy to come and chill out with me. She loved to come and cuddle with me if I was like on the couch. Like throughout the whole time we were fostering her, I think any time that I was sort of up and active and like doing stuff like, you know, cleaning the kitchen, putting dishes away, prepping dinner, something like that, like she would be just like nervous until I was sitting down again. To be fair, she was a bit like that with me as well. Like in general, she had a hard time settling. And I think that's just her age. Like, you know, her nervousness just manifesting in that nervous energy. So those were moments we kind of just ignored, tried to get her settled into a place if it was getting a bit intense. But for the most part, she just had to learn how to settle herself. Interestingly enough, she was really good with strangers. I think because our dogs love our circle of friends and family, she kind of had the same adaptive behavior. So, you know, when she met my brother, your friend Steve, she had no issues with them whatsoever, really. Yeah, yeah. No, just like a little, maybe just a little caution at a stranger coming in, but um, that nothing out of the ordinary there at all. And, um, and I think that went away pretty quickly. So that was our focus when we brought her in. And then as that, I think, was getting more resolved, 
I think that's where we started covering new behavioral concerns that she needed to work on that probably because she was so nervous before weren't like hadn't been addressed. And as she was gaining that confidence in her home, she started developing. One of those was definitely kind of like overstimulation and overexcitement, which I think is something I always say like Dan and I have had more fosters who are on the overstimulated, overexcited side versus the nervous side. So Yara kind of transitioned into that version of a dog. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it definitely manifested mostly, I think, when we were out walking. A million miles a minute. And then that would translate into, like, leash reactivity because she just, yeah, she's like, I want to go there. And this leash is in the way, so it would make her quite upset. She would bounce around trying to get out of her leashes and harness. She would bite the leashes. Definitely, like, probably the most leash reactivity we've seen. Yeah, we've had a lot of dog reactivity, but she was not dog reactive, only leash reactive. Only leash reactive, yeah. Yeah, there were certain spots on the walk where she would just, this would be her point in time where she would just be like, hey, cool, I'm going to grab this leash now and uh, take it for a tug and see what I can do. One thing we did find was when we started identifying it kept happening at the same spots. We worked out that if we just change up the walks a bit and like go in different directions and take her in new spots, she would she would be much less leash reactive if we were walking somewhere that we hadn't walked before. I think confidence, um, but it definitely like helped a lot. Like just varying up the walks and going down streets that we'd never been down before. Um, she would be much more like content to walk on leash. I think typically for overexcited dogs, we've done the same dog, the same walk to see if it gets like boring for them. Yep. But I think boring for her meant let's tug on leash. <laughs> she also, um, you know, as a lot of puppies do, did have a pretty bad nipping problem when she was overexcited. And while she is a ten month old small puppy, the teeth hurt, and yeah, she, she jumps def- pretty high. So and she jumps really high. Yeah, so I think one. Your upper arm and that, like, you know, that soft bit under the like where the tricep is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Yamini copped at least one nip there, which is, um... oh, yeah, at least one. (laughs) This is pretty obviously like common behavior in puppies. Um, definitely something you want to train out. And I think with her, it just wasn't something that was coming up. And now again, that she had her confidence, it was starting to show. And it was so interesting because. I think the main thing even I had to like slowly introduce is play with her because even if I tried to introduce play, she would start getting overexcited because she was so excited to play with me that she would start biting <laughs> and redirecting wouldn't work. She was like obsessive. So it was over the three month span that I kept introducing play as a way to redirect. And I think by the end, she loved like jumping up high and like biting a toy instead of biting flesh. my little skin so that was a really interesting journey and definitely she again yeah jumps really high you could definitely do some like agility agility or some sort of like (laughs) big activities so hopefully that's in her future because she definitely had a lot of drive a lot of power and it took a few months but she eventually was able to focus on a toy instead of me happy day that wasn't it (laughs) we had a bit of potty training still going on 
even by the time she left, I would say she was like pretty 90% good by the end. But definitely one thing she would again do is by the time she was, like if she was overexcited, like if she was playing really hard with the dogs, it actually meant that she needed to go on a potty break. Yeah. But it was so hard to identify from our perspective because, you know, we love a good straightforward signal like going to the door. <laughs> but sometimes dogs can't like communicate that way. And yes. sometimes she would just use that energy that she needed to go to the bathroom and holding it to like go ham with the dogs. And then at the very end, she would just pee and poo all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think getting used to puppies have different schedules than adult dogs as well and sort of we were so like you know we've been trained with you know by our dogs that this is when they pee and poop and you know we're we're on top of that schedule but a puppy coming in that needs to go outside like for this like every 90 minutes or so honestly was like was probably the window too. and luckily though she loved our yard and was yeah. very happy just going up there as long as she was let out but and we have floorboards in the house as well you know it's not carpeted here so it's... i mean we had some carpets definitely yeah some he... rugs some rugs got a little bit dirtied up but you know <laughs> Definitely a good tip always when you're fostering, even for an older dog, is just taking them out as often as possible yeah. as you figure out their schedule. And I think we thought after a few months, we're like, she's got it. And then, you know, that we'd have these moments where we're like, okay, yeah. maybe we need to be a bit more. 80%, maybe 80% trained. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely, you know, a dog who just does, isn't in tune with herself sometimes and is more focused on the outside world. So, you know, she never really would signal that she needed to go to the bathroom. So maybe that's something she'll develop once she calms down a little bit. <laughs> leash work that was a big one like dan said i think we already covered it and i would say that's the only bit that by the end she left i felt like we'd had improvements but she still definitely would need a lot of work from her next home that's fine right like part of it's about managing our expectations as well and realizing that you know the dog goes as is right <laughs> we do our part and what we can do to help things along but obviously when she goes into her new home like you know she's gonna have all these new challenges Challenges and they're going to have a lot of new challenges and maybe they're going to adopt some of the same challenges that we faced. That's okay. You know, there's certain things that are just going to take time and not literally like, you know, training time is really important and to keep up that consistent work. But sometimes a puppy just needs to get that puppy energy out. Yep. You need to wait till they're a little older and then all of a sudden things will just click into place. I know that happened with Boss. I mean... Yeah. Obviously, half of it is like because of the training work that we've put in and all the effort. But I think a lot of it is his age too. He wasn't that far off from Yara when he no. we first got he him. Was he was just a year old. He was a year old and he was also very overstimulated yep. and very kind of hyperactive, needed to, you know, he still kind of needs something to do all yeah. the time, but he's able to relax a lot more now. A lot of the credit for that can go to Queenie as well. She's... She's inspirational. She's she inspirational. She's just, yeah, that's it. She just, she's in the truth street dog spirit she's just like i want to sleep okay we can go for a walk okay i love to eat but other than that she just pretty much wants to sleep what's your favorite thing about yara cuddles she was just a grade a cuddler you know and it was really nice i'd just be sitting on the couch 
she'd look at me and I'd go, okay. And then she'd come up in the couch and then she would just like scooch herself closer and closer to me. And so I'd often have like, you know, boss on one side, Yara on the other side. That was pretty, that was pretty nice. Yeah. I loved cuddling with a dog her size. I said she was like kind of that like perfect lap dog size. Like she's kind of like on top of you and it's nice, but she's not heavy. Yeah. Um, again, she's about 25 pounds, maybe 30 probably, pounds. maybe 30 yeah. now, but you know, definitely a little small for a non-small dog. Yeah. Yeah. And she was lovely to cuddle with, I agree. I also loved seeing her learn how to like engage and play. Her recall was amazing yeah, compared was to good. most dogs we've been with. She definitely connects really well with her person, which was me. So it was really nice to just have that connection with her and like... Whatever she was doing, if I called her, she would stop and know that she had to pay attention. And that was something that happened really naturally with her, which I loved. And I loved watching her play with other dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, she went all out. With uh, Kira, the husky pup, I mean, they spent like three hours in a yard just just full on playing the whole time, like, you know, unstoppable. And she was honestly like really very sweet with other dogs, like quite energetic, really yeah. seemed to socialize with other dogs very, very well. And if she met a dog who is like same vibes as her, man, they're like unstoppable. Best friends. <laughs> yes. Having had this experience, we definitely had a lot of discussions with the adoption team as well as between each other about what we thought would be best for Yara. Um, initially, again, when she was with her last home, we were trying to figure out what would be best and big part because of her fear of men, we thought, oh, a female-centered home, which honestly is so hard to find. Obviously, like people have roommates, family, kids, really hard to find a home with just women and female presenting folks in it. We decided um, once she moved here that the key was having other dogs in the house because we saw that just having the encouragement of Queenie and Boss toward males in general, she was very adaptable, very confident and able to really like open up. I mean, I remember when Arjun came over, she went up and cuddled him within like half an hour. Yeah. So it would happen really fast under the right circumstances. Focused on that, she was struggling with walks in our neighborhood and we figured a quieter neighborhood would be best. And she loved our yard. I know it's hard and we'd love to be able to provide more condo friendly dogs at rescues, but you know, based on her experience at the last condo, being really nervous and in general, just how much she loved our yard and how it's such a great space for her to thrive and be outside without being overwhelmed. We thought a yard would really help her get that energy out so that when she's on a walk, she's a little less overstimulated. And we got lots of apps for folks that did not meet those criteria. And it was hard because we wanted the best for her. A lot of them weren't the right fit. Sometimes I was doubting myself and feeling like maybe I should give them a chance and see if it's the right situation. But honestly, the wait was really worth it because she ended up in a home with every checklist that I had yep. in my head. Quiet neighborhood, nice yard, female household. New foster, no, wow, a new brother, not foster brother. As much as the three months felt long, I think by the end, both of us were like, how much longer can we do? this really happened at the right time we were able to do it for long enough and that is all that matters and if it took longer i'm sure we would have been able to do it for long enough still i think we would have definitely figured it out but it was getting there we were getting at our point 
Yara is in a great home now. Um, her name is now Knox. You can follow her on at Dobby and Knox. Dobby is her new brother. And honestly, we were so happy with where she ended up. Her owners are amazing. Yeah. Really care for dogs. Great rescue advocates. Honestly, I don't think you can get better than that. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely worth it. And um and I'm really happy for Knox. I'm very happy for Knox too. I'm sure she's having a great time and getting lots of cuddles. With that said, that's the end of this mini episode. Thank you everyone for listening and see you next week for another Rescue Dog Love episode. Bye. Bye. Rescue Dog Love is a project by Yamini Cohen inspired by her rescue dog boss, who you can find on Instagram with his doggy sibling Queenie at Queenie and Boss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Love podcast, you can follow us at rescuedoglove.com or at rescuedoglovepod on Instagram. See you next time.